to tell the world. I'm your host, Ota, today. I hope you're having a blessed Sunday. So today is fishbowl questions. A lot of you may not know what the fishbowl questions are or what it's about, but I take an actual fishbowl to the public and I have them to ask me any questions on pieces of paper order to the fishbowl and I bring those questions back to the podcast and I do my best to answer them the best way I can and and to be honest with every question now a lot of these questions may be a little vulgar and some of these questions may be something we can relate to so don't take them personal it's all fun and some will be all helpful so, my first question here would be, why do the youngest child get spoiled? Okay, why do the youngest child get spoiled? Well, a lot of people get spoiled. I mean, sometimes we see that children or our siblings sometimes get, get spoiled amongst a, a big family. Maybe one or two of them may get spoiled. And sometimes twins get get more attention than the rest of the siblings. But, you know, sometimes spoiledness happens. And sometimes I think spoiledness is based on a connection with someone, you know. It's not not knocking everybody else away that we, we're not giving them attention. But sometimes spoiledness requires for some people to get a little bit more attention. I mean, it, it may, not, may not seem fair. Nothing's fair. When it comes to being spoiled, it may not seem fair, but some people will get a little bit more attention than you will yourself. Um, I have uh, five siblings, and um, I mean, I've never been jealous of none of my siblings who might have gotten more attention than me. Uh, I've always been um, open-minded about, you know, um, anyone in my family who got attention. It, It really didn't bother me. Now, spoilers sometimes bother other people, you know, because, you know, we all crave for that attention. But when it comes down to our siblings, uh, it's hard. It's, it's sometimes it's not fair. And sometimes you can get older as an adult and that same sibling is still getting spoiled, getting what they want. But um, never take it the wrong way because I'm pretty sure the parents love each and every one of you the same as they love the one who's getting spoiled. Probably even more. Some people require more attention. It just all depends. But it's, it's never to be disrespected that, you know, the other party doesn't exist. Now, can some people get spoiled where they're just rotten? Of course they can. And that's where it is, becomes a problem at when someone who's um, getting what they want and getting more and taking advantage of just being treated a little bit more better than the other ones. So uh, is spoil a good thing? It just all depends, you know. But sometimes when it comes to siblings, sometimes it's, it's, it's very hard, you know. And as you grow older, you, you sometimes still see that going on. But never let that detour who you are or never let that come between you and your, your parents or the one who's getting spoiled. You know, just roll with the punches and just deal with it. Uh, let's go to the next question. Toxic people. 
toxic people. Okay? You know, the frequency of people are are different in so many ways. I mean, sometimes you meet people who are just just easy to get along with, and sometimes you just meet people who are just hard to get along with. And sometimes you meet people who are just 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 not good for your health. They just terrible. I mean, no matter how many chances you get, you can just feel their toxic, you know, vibration when they come around you. So toxic people do exist. I myself have came around many toxic people and I get the same creepy feelings that irk me about someone who's toxic. But it all depends on your vibration and how you handle it. Sometimes we have to work with these toxic people even though we don't want to work with them. And sometimes we may just be in a toxic relationship. You know, toxic is toxic. You know, it's it's not good for nobody, you know. Even for the one who's giving that poison out to you, that's toxic. So you have to find out what's best for you when it comes to people who are toxic, you know. How is this person benefiting you? And, um, I mean, if it's causing problems with your health or um, making you feel a certain kind of way and it's just a negative energy, then you have to take it upon yourself to um, kind of like disassociate yourself with that person, you know. And sometimes that's hard to do because you don't want the confrontation. But most of the time, toxic people, you just have to just keep yourself away from them. Now, people that you have to work with, that's different. Some things you just have to just get through. And sometimes you have to pull your emotions out of people who just irk you and uh, mess with your feelings sometimes. If it's abusive toxic, then that's a different thing. Because uh, a relationship toxic is the worst. I mean, all of them can be bad, but a toxic relationship is just as worse because you got love involved that you love this person, that you would just put up with anything that they give to you because you love them so much. You know, love has always never been fair sometimes. And when toxic is involved with love, it can become uh, toxic even more. You feel the, the toxic more because you could just be sick. You could be just losing weight. Sometimes it just causes problems with your everyday life as in how you function every day. So... You have to take it upon yourself to know that what's healthier for you and what's not right for you in your life, you have to make a decision to remove that uh, toxic situation out of your life. Because in the long run, if someone's very toxic to you and it starts to mess with your health, because that's what toxic eventually does, and that's what the word toxic means. It's just that a lot of things become piled up that has so much waste of time in your life that they do so many things to you, it just becomes piled up waste. And piled up waste on top of piled up waste versus a metaphor of problem after problem, different situations, it just mixed all together, just becomes toxic in your life. So you just have to make a decision upon yourself about do you love yourself more to separate yourself from that, that toxic situation? And nine times out of ten, once you remove yourself and stay away from it, then you'll start to uh, understand yourself and hear yourself more. 
And then you'll start to realize that by you being away from that situation, you start to feel cleaner again in your life. So, you know, if something's toxic, you know, if you can address it with someone and try to work it out, that's good. But sometimes someone who's very toxic, you may not can be able to work that out with them. I mean, everybody deserves a chance, but if you go past one year to two years to three years and the toxic is still there, uh, it's time to uh, move on. Next question. Okay. Now, I don't even know how to read this question, but I can see here at the bottom, someone says, please, please read it for me. I need to know. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to read it. Eating ass. Why is it not considered normal or weird? Uh, you know, everybody has a different fetish. And, you know, what's weird to other people could be normal to other people. Uh, I mean, love is love. Um, uh, if you love someone, you'll, you'll go out of your way for that one. But um, um, it's a fetish. It's someone's fetish. So behind closed doors is normal for you in that party. Now, some people may um, feel weird about it because they find nothing out of it, you know, because they would say things like, wait a minute, I'm not eating nobody's ass out because do you know what comes out that ass? So I got that out. So if it's something in your own privacy, yes, it's normal. But when you bring it out in public amongst people, it becomes weird because uh, it's hard to... Uh, go in public to say, you know, why isn't it not normal or why is it not weird or why is it weird to everybody because everybody's fetish and everybody's uh, attitude about parts of the body, people just have different um, uh, views about it, of touch, smell, of the intimacy part. But I mean, if you like doing that, uh, more power to you. Uh, I hope you brush your teeth. Next question. I'm sorry. Public restrooms. Oh, man. You know, I've been across some bad restrooms. But you know the worst restrooms of them all? The airport restrooms. You got so many people traveling through there. And so many people go in that restroom. And sometimes in the man's restroom, I can only give you an example with the man's restroom. It's never pretty. You know, me, myself, I have to watch where I step. Because some people's angles are not always in the right direction. Sometimes it's on the floor within your steps. So, you know... It all depends on people who, um, their hygiene. It all depends on their household. Like, some people wash their hands when they come up the restroom. You're supposed to do that. And sometimes we see people who don't do that. So that tells you right there how their restroom are. But um, we're human. And some people are, you know, may not be cleaner than you. So you become OCD about 
what's clean and what's not and where you step in at. And so it's hard to go into certain restrooms, even work restrooms. You know, um, you may see some horrible things in there that you don't want to see because as you go into the restroom, you look around, you see the waste can there. You see the sanitizer where you could wash your hands. You see napkins where you can just wipe your hands, dry your hands. Everything is there for us. So uh, some people could be in a hurry and some people just don't care when they go in the restroom. I can only tell you to watch your step and watch where you sit. You know, when you go into a public restroom, I just, I'm just giving you a warning. Okay. Next question. If you were born a girl in your next life, would you be a slut or be a respectful or be respectful to yourself? I'll read this one again. If you were born a girl in your next life, would you be a slut or be a respectful or be respectful to yourself? I guess that's what they're trying to say. Uh, you know, who knows what's after life? Is reincarnation, you know, there? Do it exist? Or could I just imagine myself coming back as a girl? Uh, how would I be towards others? You know, would my sexuality be out there too much? Well, within my spirit, I know I probably wouldn't be a slut. You know, you know, sometimes you can, your spirit can sometimes give you deja vu, maybe in your next life. I'm just saying something that could, you know, be real or it may not be real. But um, I don't know if I want to be a slut. Because what if my past life I was a male and I was a slut then, as well as I come back and get a second chance in life and become a female and I'm still a slut. So back and forth in my life versus all the colors of races that I would be in body-wise, I would have to figure out each time I come back, will I still be a slut or can I correct my situation to move on to my, my next part of my life? Uh... I don't think I want to be a slut, so I don't think reincarnation gives you a choice. But if I did have a choice, I think if I was a slut in my male days, I think getting the opportunity to be a female, I think I would have better respect for myself based on knowing that if I knew I was a male in my past life and I got the opportunity to be a female, well, yeah, it's time to get this right in my life and correct it so I can move on in my next journey somewhere else. But, you know, uh, everything comes with a consequence. And how many times you keep repeating it, you just got to get it right, you know. And if you don't, you know, the opportunities are there. So hopefully you get it right and you, you know, end being a slut. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Deal breakers in friendships and relationships. Deal breakers. In friendships and relationships. Well, nobody can be perfect. Nobody can be perfect. A lot of us, you know, want that, you know, perfect relationship. And a lot of us want that, you know, that great friendship, 
you know, it's, it all means a lot to certain people who, who uh, feel strongly and morally about friendship and relationships. So, you know, if you do have a friend and if you are in a relationship, you know, we all don't get what we want in a relationship. And it can never be perfect. It all depends on what the situation is. That goes back into relation, uh, in relation if the, the relationship is toxic. You know, you have to make a choice. Based on friendship, you know, if that person is really your friend and they just get to the point where they don't, you know, they betray you or they're talking about you behind your back, that's real easy. You know, um, you just have to be the adult and break that friendship up. Just separate yourself from it. Now, can you give them a chance? Well, you just have to talk about it. You know, if you two are able to sit down and talk about it, you know, maybe you could come to a uh, a reasonable uh, decision about, you know, is your friendship important? Do you value it more? You know, we got to look at the cause of what caused it to be that way. And sometimes you can't expect people to be uh, what you expect them to be because of how you are. Because, yes, it hurts for someone that you're with, you know, um... I guess the word deal breakers would be, we'll use a deal breaker as a committed in a relationship, um, uh, as well as friendship, you know, being a, a good friend and a, being loyal to, to your friend. Uh, uh, some people, you know, they get those chances and they blow those chances, you know. But um, you have to just make your own personal decision, you know, about, you know, the deals, the dealings in a relationship, you know, like uh, the trust, the honesty, um, uh, the loyalty, uh, the commitment itself. You know, relationship comes with a whole lot of, lot of things that, you know, that people, you know, feel morally strong about, you know, and when those, uh, the word deal, Deals, I don't know if we should call them deals, but we'll just call them commitments are are broken. You do, you know, break the ring a little bit where it cracks. And doing it so many times, eventually the ring starts to separate, which is your relationship. So um, sometimes you just find out by the person later on in the years. And, you know, if it's not the way it should be, the dealings of just being committed that long, they break it, you know, you just, everything in your life you have to make was the right decision was best for you. The same way about friendship. Friendship is different from a relationship. If a person is your friend, they're your friend. And if they, they break that bond between your friendship, then you have to move on. I mean, you don't have to fuss about it, but some people do. Some people may say, why did you do this? I trusted you, I thought you were my friend. You just have to just separate yourself from it and don't expect anything too much out of a friendship. You'll know if it's a true friendship just as well as you know if that relationship is something that you are committed to be in for the rest of your life. So deal breakers, you never know. Should we look at relationships like poker? Uh, you just never know because as well as going to play pokers, it requires numbers. So relationships require years. Friendship require years. So if anyone's cheating within 
those numbers, that's the number that you have to deal with as for how long you guys were committed to each other. And sometimes you got to stop playing within deal breakers who keep breaking, breaking the commitments and the trust. Okay. Ghost stories. Talk a lot about paranormal events. Well, do a lot of people believe in ghosts? Do you? Do you believe that there's haunted houses out there? Do you believe that um, there's a lot of ghosts that walk around within homes, outside, the paranormal or hearing things in the house? I mean, we hear a lot of stories about ghosts. And the paranormal part about it is, is, is sometimes it's, it's scary or sometimes you don't know um, what it is until you experience it. There's just a big difference. But um, have I experienced paranormal? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, one night um, I had my camera on. I got a home camera outside and it's right in the front. And I was looking at my phone, which is my camera software is on the phone so I could see the front yard. And the reason why I was looking on my phone in my front yard, I was at home. I'm safe inside. So I was looking out in the front yard because someone had broken into my car and stole my wallet. And so I wanted to catch this person who was out there uh, pulling on doors, breaking in people's cars, stealing their items. So I was looking for a whole week at my camera every night from maybe 11 to about 1 o'clock at night because I wanted to catch this person so bad. And so as I was looking, I woke up about maybe uh, probably 11 and I was looking at my phone and I was looking out there in the front from my phone. I could see the whole view and it was about 11. And somewhere, this wasn't too high up in the sky, but it was low enough for me to see it in front of my camera. I see a strange cloud of light. It's like clouds, smoke, and it was moving at a speed. I, I can't tell you if it was moving maybe probably seven miles per hour from my camera view. That's the way it looked. So... It was like a cloud of white smoke and it was some light. It just, that's the way it looked to me. And so just visualize in front of your eyes as, as me looking at my phone, I'm seeing this light go past. So think of it as one moving, two moving, three, poof, gone just that fast. And I said, what the hell was that? I could never explain that. And I didn't even know what that was. So I, um, it didn't freak me out, but I was trying to figure out what it was. And from that point on me seeing it, my camera probably within that week stopped working. I could not log back into my software to understand why my camera software wouldn't let me log back in for my camera to come back up. And I got really spooked out because I was thinking like, well, you know, maybe it saw me seeing it on my phone that it 
did something to my camera. So I end up buying another camera, placing it in the window. And I got that camera running right now. But yet this day, I still can't get that camera to work no more because my password won't go back through. So that's my part of paranormal right there. Like, that was weird. And I had one more. Um, I was uh, coming from Texas. So I was driving from Texas to California. And uh, I made it into some part of Arizona. It was about maybe 2 in the morning. So I... um. I pulled over to get gas at the service station and I, I saw two strangers on the side of the building, two in the morning, I felt a little eerie. So I just got back in the car and I drove off and said, you know what, I'm just gonna find another place to go to get gas. So as I'm driving, my GPS, GPS is on and um, all of a sudden, I'm lost. I can't tell you how I got lost, but my GPS took me somewhere where I didn't understand how that how I ended up there. So I went from um, being in Arizona, and I'm from driving where I'm going up a hill, and I went from reading a sign that said 3,000 aptitude to 4,000 aptitude. And I'm like, 4,000 aptitude, that means high. And I realized that I was so high up in the air that I rolled my window down and stuck my hand out the window and it was freezing cold. Now I'm in Arizona, some part of Arizona. And I didn't realize where I was at because there was ice on the road because I saw a sign that said, uh, uh, be careful, snowstorm, ice on the road. I'm like, ice on the road? It was just probably about what? maybe uh, 65 degrees where I was at before. And then I realized that the aptitude, I was so high and I didn't know how I got that high. Now, I didn't realize where I actually was at because I never drove through Arizona. And um, I realized that I was in the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon. And I had to really take my time to slow my brakes down because I come from a cold climate of ice and snow and I know driving on ice is not that good. And there were no guardrails that if my car had to slipped off the, the side of the road, I would end up in the Grand Canyon somewhere in the mountains, down in the mountains somewhere. I was completely lost. And I could not drive too fast versus I could not get on my brakes, you know, a little too hard because I was afraid I was going to slip. And as I'm driving, I see these strange looking clouds. They were dark. Now, it ain't this weird I'm talking about clouds again, but this is what I was seeing. So I'm driving and I'm lost and I'm trying to figure out why my GPS will not get me out of the area that I'm stuck in because I kept driving in the same area over and over and over. It was like my GPS had me stuck somewhere where I could not get out. So as I'm driving... I can see in my uh, front windshield, this is dark. This is about maybe one or two in the morning. I'm seeing strange dark clouds. And these strange dark clouds I'm seeing got flashing light in it. It wasn't raining and it wasn't winter storm clouds. So what was it? I don't know. I can, all I can tell you is, is that the clouds were moving in front of me and then they would just go past me. And they were like weird clouds at nighttime, 
Who sees dark clouds at night? Well, I saw it. So eventually, as I kept driving, this peripheral of my vision, I kept running into these clouds. And so I finally was able to get my car to stop because I believe I wasn't on ice that was going to cause me to, to slip and have an accident. I got the car to stop. I get out the car so I could completely look at what I'm seeing. And so I'm looking at these clouds and I'm like, what the hell is that? That's not normal. And so I just got back in the car and I'm like, let me get the hell out of here because I don't know what's going on. Now, somewhere up in that Grand Canyon, there was some weird paranormal stuff going on out there. And I was not trusting it. It was just freaking me out. So maybe around four in the morning, I eventually started to see daylight and it got somewhere around five and I noticed that the clouds started moving faster like they was trying to get out the sky, like it was trying to beat daylight. It was weird, but just that's just the way I saw it. And somewhere around five to six in the morning, I found myself coming down the Grand Canyon, out those mountains. And I'm telling you, I can't believe how, I don't know why, or how I ended up in there. I understand hills and mountains can block your signals, but I was in low aptitude down below. So how did I wind up so high like that? I don't know. Yet this day, is, it's a stigma in my brain, like, what was I seeing? So things can happen, I guess. But that's my paranormal right there. Uh, growing up as a kid, you would hear these, your grandparents talk about these ghost stories, like, you know, sometimes you would think they were trying to scare you. They would tell you, you know, be careful walking down this road because uh, that house right there that's burnt down, it was twins in that house. And sometimes people could see them walking down the street together on the dirt road. And that would freak me out every nighttime. Every time nighttime come, I would be freaked out thinking about what I would hear about these twins burning up in the house. So I had no idea if it was real or if it was fake. But what, what would you believe? When you're a kid, you would believe anything. So your mind would just run loose with the imagination of the worst. So uh, that stayed with me for a lot of years. And um, uh, some or more paranormal uh, things that I would hear. Uh, okay, so in Mississippi, they would, um, when someone passed away, we burn their clothes. So we burn all of their clothes, their items, we give them away or we just throw them away because the, the essence of that person, spirit may be still lingering. And I was hearing that sometimes people don't know they passed. And so, you know, you bury them and they end up coming back to the house that they lived in. And you find out that they're walking around the house, you could hear them. Have I experienced that before? Yes, I did. I did. I experienced it. And uh, that's why they burn the clothes so the person don't find his way back home. Uh, hopefully he would understand that he has passed and he has to move on. Now, some spirits don't want to move on. Some spirits are stubborn where they want to stay. And they are so attached to the, the, the real life that they don't realize that they, they have passed 
and that they're no longer in their body, that they still believe that they are still alive and they don't want to want to leave. So um, sometimes it can get a little crazy and, you know, things get to moving around the house. You know, you hear things, you smell things, you see things. So that's my paranormal there for my own experience. So that would be all the questions. Now, usually I do these uh, fishbowl questions every Friday, but, you know, like I said, I was real busy and I didn't have a chance to, you know, get to them. So I have answered probably every question in the fishbowl. And, you know, sometime during this week, I'll take that bowl back to the street. And every Friday, I will come with these questions again. You know, like I say, some of them may be crazy, some of them may be vulgar. And some of them may be something we can relate to. So I hope that this was entertaining. And if you like my podcast, please hit that subscribe button. Um, I'll be bringing more podcast uh, episodes. And, you know, hopefully by the summer, I'll be doing some interviews the way I want to. Uh, I'm a new podcaster. So um, I hope you like my podcast. If you do like it, hit that subscribe button. And um, I hope to um, have more episodes for you guys. You guys have a blessed evening and uh, enjoy your night. Mm-hmm.